And we are back. Still a great new year. It is still January, the patron saint of bad movies, but mm. not necessarily on DVD and Blu-ray. Tim, thank you for being here once again. Yes, 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 yes. As Mark floats around Europe. Mark is Hopefully flo- literally floating around. He, Mark is, uh, is having a grand old time in Paris, and hopefully uh, the city of lights and love. Hopefully he's getting a lot of light and love. Mm. Uh, I know it's cold and, and snowy and rainy there, too, so I'm sure he'll be getting a lot of that as well. And, uh, of course, uh, as a matter of housekeeping, for those who have asked, of course, our opening uh, music and closing music is by the punk band Ball and Chain, who are not necessarily doing anything right now, but uh, I, I keep harassing them to put their stuff up online. I will let you know as soon as it is. And... Um, we, if you need to reach us uh, otherwise, gods at digigods.com for Vox boxes, emails, any sh- insults you want to lob at us. And for those who have also asked, yes, the Cine Gods site is still coming along ever so slowly. We have finalized logos uh, and we are moving on to uh, the final pieces of site design, but uh, the logos are basically a derivation of the current logo, looking yeah. really nice. Yeah, excellent. So we've got our new DigiGods logo, got our new CineGods logo, got uh, got all that stuff finished up. It's looking very nice. So we're moving along; shouldn't be too long. And uh, of course, we will have not we'll have and many people writing for the site. And the plan is also to solicit many of you out there to also contribute to the site as well. Because our listeners have been such a huge part of uh, of what we have done over the last many years, um, so Tim, uh, the uh, as we record this now, mm. we are uh, on the verge of the uh, Lafka dinner, yes. where you will be presenting that uh, the cinematography award. So James wishing Langston you, wishing Moonlight. yes, wishing you luck on that as well. Uh, the dinner is always a fun time. I'm going to miss it. It's always interesting, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, you yeah. never you never know what the award recipients will say. Yeah. That's the wild card. Yeah. And the, you know, Lafka Lafka members have gotten a little less long winded. There used to be a few members of the group who would you say to them, "Okay, uh, ninety seconds. Your speech is ninety seconds. Please rehearse it and keep it at ninety seconds. And next thing you know, we're sitting there eating dinner, and somebody's gone up there and they are going on for <laughs> seven or eight minutes, and just it's like what? Well, the way you know, our, our dinner is in fact a dinner. It's an award dinner. Yes. Uh, we've already given the awards. We already yeah. they already Announced, know. They know. They know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, so the wine is flowing and other liquids and spirits prior. To folks walking yes. up to that podium, which I think might have a, that might be why some of those speeches will elongate a little bit. Yeah, you know, that's you know, true. Lose track of time. Casey Affleck, um, who's been getting all the best actor awards from just about everybody except for us, he didn't get ours. But he, uh, he, he, when he accepted his best actor from the New York Film Critics Circle, I don't know if did you follow any? I of didn't that? see that. He, he, uh, you know, he's a kid from Boston. He's yeah. not gonna, he's not gonna kiss up to the people who gave him an award. It's it, which is interesting because there is that East Coast blue collar impulse in the Afflecks and the and the Matt Damons where uh, they almost feel. Look, you and I worked for a certain family once mm. upon a time who owned hmm. a paper here, who are from Long Island, who yeah. are of that same mentality. Yeah, and it took me a long time to separate when the cursing was really bawling someone out and when it was an expression of love and appreciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that certain individual that we both worked for repeatedly would say the same thing to his parents when he was screaming hell, hellfire <laughs> at them as he would say to his wife when he was thanking yeah. her. Or, for his, throwing, or, or his young children. Or his children. It's it like all the same. It's all the same. Yeah. So uh, Casey Affleck uh, of the same mentality goes up there and basically just started reading 
all of the quotes from all the members of the New York Film Critics Circle <laughs> who had ripped him in previous performances. It was sort of like, thank you for this award. This is what you once said about me. And he went through them. He actually put it all together, and he was just humiliating them. And, and what, a, what a way to say thank you. What a burn. What, what a burn. burn. What a anyway, burn. so yeah. yes, you never know what actually happens at these awards shows. It's a good performance, but you know what? We didn't, we didn't give it to him. So. <laughs> we, we will not have to concern ourselves with that. Not at all. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's uh, we, we 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 left off on docs last week, and we we didn't uh, get to all of them. So let's let's kick up on docs this week. And, 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 and there were real, a few interesting ones, really interesting that, ones that we, we had left over, including Being Evil, uh, which is the which is the documentary about Evil Knievel, of course. This one's kind of interesting. Uh, Johnny Knoxville, uh, executive producer on this yeah. thing, gets gets way behind. And you know what I, what I like about this film is that it doesn't um, it doesn't. It looks at all the blemishes of Evil Knievel. It doesn't just uh, romanticize him. It doesn't just make him a hero. It's really interesting. Uh, it gets behind the scenes. This is a guy from Butte, Montana, born in Butte, Montana, in, in oil and coal country where things were hard, where, yeah. they, where the idea was that you, you, know, you, throw, you throw a punch first. And you ask questions later, <laughs> yeah. uh, where women uh, were treated in a particular way, or or, or existed in a society, hard scrabble guy, and um, you know, and all of that carried over into the evil Knievel that we uh, evil yeah. Knievel that we knew, and that's what this documentary is about. It's really sort of interesting to me. You know, it's not like I I grew up with him. I remember him. I remember sure. that jump over Snake Canyon and Devil Hill, you know, whatever it was, yeah. uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. He was, you know, he was a part of a, an icon of my youth. Well, it was it was an era when being a daredevil was a job. Yeah, it was an actual thing you could do. It was a thing you could do. You could say, I think I will be a daredevil. I can be a stuntman. I could be a rocket scientist. I could be a physician or I could be a daredevil. It was actually go do it, yeah. And uh, there were a few guys doing this, but he was the one that really put it over the top. And didn't actually require any skills or anything like that. Evil Knievel was never a particularly good motorcycle rider. No. I mean, he he could make it go and and he had had no scientific acumen. No. Uh, Everything was simply just about actually just doing it. Yeah, he just jumped things. You know, it was how far can you jump with your car, your motorcycle, your your rocket car. I mean, he and he was. It was. I mean, I guess in some ways it it, it shared something with uh, mixed martial arts and you know uh, wrestling uh, and some of the other sort of sensational violent sports today, where yeah. you you tune in to sort of see how extreme it gets. But yeah, it was a it was. Anyway, anyway, no, no, no different than going, going to the carnival in a yeah. certain extent, just going to yeah. the carnival. Yeah. Um, Streets of Compton, which was a, is which is a two part miniseries um, about the city of Compton, uh, whom you and I don't live terribly far from. Not far from at all. No. Um, uh, as a, as an extremely sort of interesting and complicated place. Of course, we know about Compton in the terms that we know yeah. about Compton: street gangs and violence and, yeah. and and records and all of that. Of course, NWA came out of Compton, Ice Cube and Eazy E and the Williams sisters. And, and the Williams sisters also came out of Compton and the, and the game. And this this documentary is, is is about that. It's about Compton as a place representative of all of the things that we sort of ordinarily think about mm-hmm. Compton, but also representative as this place that put out artists. Exceptional artists and athletes uh, that really have done extraordinary things to the world. Interestingly, who some of whom have come back to Compton, Compton in recent years. Dr. Dre built a big complex yeah. down there in recent years uh, to try to sort of revitalize the city, which will be interesting if they can pull that off. Compton is, is um, juxtaposed to Inglewood. 
uh, it's 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 bumped up right against Inglewood. It's it's interesting Compton, which is its own city, and Inglewood, which is its own city, yeah. and then South LA, formerly known as South Central, Central LA, LA, yeah, which is an which is part movie. of Los Angeles, yeah. and they're all bumped up against each other, and uh, they all kind of bleed into each other. But yet the they are different. You know, one of the things that I've always found interesting about LA is that when you go to other parts of the world, if you go to the outskirts of you know Paris or or the the, the slums of uh, London, the blue collar mm. parts of London, or even the bad part, bad side of Chicago or New York, you know when you're in the bad part of town. Yeah. The bad parts of L.A. don't no. look bad. You, you, if you, you, if you travel through the suburbs of Compton or Inglewood, or any place you want, uh, yeah, Watts, any place you want, they're perfectly lovely. Looks not. It looks. It looks just like any other part of Los Angeles. Looks like Burbank, yeah. Glendale. Yeah, you know, and uh, and, uh, and 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 it's, it's really sort of interesting. It's an interesting thing. dynamic. Yeah, yeah. interesting dynamic. Uh, Bruce Lee tracking the dragon. Uh, a, a documentary about um, uh, a film that goes to all these sort of uh, iconic locations from Bruce Lee films. Yeah. So, like, if you're a big, big, big Bruce Lee fan and you're wondering about where this fight took place, took place or this uh, this film does the whole thing, walks you right through them. Uh, interesting how Bruce Lee continues to be forty plus years after his death. And and I don't know that we have examined what an iconic figure he was because Bruce Lee did so many things uh, that we really overlook. Bruce Lee was the first true cross-cultural multi-racial movie star. Not just because he was a star in Hong Kong and in China and in Europe and in the United States. I mean, he was a global star. Including on network American television. Network American television. But he, he had a following in the United States, in the white community, mm. in the Latino community, in the, bla- in the black, in the black community. community. Yeah. And he created the environment for stars like... Uh, uh, Chuck Norris, uh, Jackie Chan, uh, Jet Li. I mean, uh, for years later, for all of those people who would come years later, including the black ones uh, who played Black, black Belt Jones. Uh, oh, oh uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Jim, Jim Kelly, Jim Kelly, Jim yeah. Kelly. All, all yeah. of these sort of stars, Bruce Lee, sort of Dolomite, the envi- Dolomite, Rudy Ray Moore, yeah. uh, the, for the, for the environment, for all of these people to sort of yeah. do the things that they did uh, years and years and years later. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah, amazing yeah, that's a legacy. Yeah, it sort of continues to go on. Uh, Tesla, interesting PBS documentary. Happened to see this one when it was on PBS. Mm. Uh, Tesla, the Madman. So, so Nikola Tesla, and they're doing a movie, you know, about Tesla doing, versus versus Edison. Which, which, yeah, was. exactly. Which was a whole thing at the time, the Tesla yeah. Edison thing to do Tesla coil, whether we would have DC or right. AC mm-hmm. transmission electricity. Tesla, who anticipated the wireless everything. So this world that we live in now with Bluetooth and wireless, Tesla anticipated all of that. He was unfortunately a little bit, you know, crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Which was the which was the the thing that he got stuck with being this sort of a mad scientist. He even looked a little like a mad scientist with the hair and all of that stuff. While while Thomas Edison and for that matter Marconi were these sort of like statesman like gentlemen, you know, with the white Edison with the white hair and Marconi, uh, you know, very formal, almost Victorian. And then you hear you had Nikola Tesla running around electrocuting (laughs) you you know goats and stuff like that. Interesting documentary. Happened to see it when it was on. It was actually quite good. Um, what else you got over there? Uh, let, me, let me hit a couple of uh, PBS things. Got three here. Uh, this first one, a front line called The Choice 2016. Now, this was made pre-election. So uh, it, it really is... It, now it's almost like an archival documentary 
just you know, it's not out of date, but it's interesting. It is uh, it is an investigative biography is of what it is of both uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And um, I think in time, this may become a very, very interesting mm. film because it's not looking back at the election after its conclusion. It is sort of in the heat, in the middle of it, and trying to be as, as investigative and honest and open and balanced as possible. And they hit some roadblocks and they push past some other ones. Mm-hmm. And it is actually very, very well done. And I, it will be interesting to see how this compares when we get, say, 5, 10, 15 years past mm. this election mm-hmm. and we know the consequences of it. So uh, very, very interesting. If you buy this, keep it on hand. You're going to pull it out in about a decade and it's going to have a whole and, new meaning. And, and, and even for now, that doc, given what we know about the way that election was covered journalistically yeah. and the failures of journalism with respect oh, to that huge. election... Um, that documentary with all of these sort of journalistic efforts in the thick of it right then, you look at that documentary and you think to yourself, man, they're blowing it. <laughs> they are, yeah. They, 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 they think that this thing is important. And now, you know, hindsight being 2020 sure. as it is, we know that that thing isn't important. Yeah, it's very uh, true. Uh, so it's, a, it's very, very, very interesting stuff. And then Nova, 15 Years of Terror. Nova is always great, just as Frontline and American Experience are always great. They are, they are the bread and butter of PBS's documentary uh, journalism coverage. Uh, you know, it's been 15 years since the, uh, the uh, attacks of September 11, 2001, and this is a look back and, in a sense, kind of an attempt to look forward. And uh, it says, where have we come? Where are we going? Are we dealing with this correctly? Are we seeing it correctly? Mm. And it is, uh, it is absolutely superb. It is, uh, it is thorough and, uh, and scholarly. And then uh, the last one from uh, PBS is uh, Super Hummingbirds. Uh, documentary for nature series. I have a great affinity for hummingbirds because they're just... They're awesome and beautiful and weird and death-defying and stupid all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in my mother-in-law's house, I remember the, this was a few Christmases ago, a hummingbird flew into the house. And we could not get that thing out of the house. Opened up every window, every door. The, the exit was right there in front of it. This thing... Even even like a pigeon, which has to be the stupidest thing on the entire planet. Yeah. Pigeons are just the dumbest animals ever. Even a pigeon would have seen the door and, and known how to get out. A fly knows to fly toward the light. <laughs> the, the hummingbird, it was it was it kept flying to the top of the Christmas tree. That's mm. what it kept doing. It, you just want you just wanted to just at a certain point give up and say, "Fine, you're an ornament. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the house." It was so insane, but they're amazing creatures and uh, high speed photography and everything else. This is a great. This is on Blu-ray, and it is uh, it's really really beautiful. They're just amazing creatures for despite their stupidity. They're really amazing. So you understand how they mate, how they how they nest, how all of that stuff. It's it just it's really really amazing. Beautiful beautiful photography, and it's only an hour long. Our long, gorgeous Blu-ray. Oh, man, that, that's so neat. Um, uh, I have uh, Steve McQueen, The Man, Lamont. I love this documentary. It's a great documentary. Love uh, it. 1971, Steve McQueen made a movie, 24 yeah. Hours at Le Mans. Le Mans. Yeah. Um, uh, that movie is, is striking in and of itself. Uh, that movie has a sort of verite sort of style to it. it it's not, I mean, yeah. it, everything that's happening at Le Mans is happening. He's actually driving uh, in yeah. Le Mans at the time. 
Uh, and then there's this whole sort of dramatic narrative that's going on it, behind it. it. It's, it's, you know, it's, his, it's his apocalypse now, right? Oh, yeah. It's his heaven's gate. You know. And there's no script. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're panicking and they're, you know. Changes trying, directors halfway through. Try, yeah. And it's just the, the, you know, trying to make, and he just wants to make it real. I want people to feel like they're really at Le Mans. Well, the, 30, the first 30, 35 minutes of that movie has no dialogue. It's sort of ambient sound yeah. of Le Mans, you know, but no dialogue but there's per a, se. there's all him in this. There's all, it's all interviews with him and the audio and it's yeah. fascinating and this documentary gets behind the scenes of all of that and so it's really really interesting stuff um, I like that movie by the way 24 Hours at Le Mans oh, I People love talk it. About it. It, yeah. it didn't make any money uh, still a great film it was, I think it was either the first or maybe the second film that he made with his company yeah. uh, when he had that power in 1971 but it's a fantastic film I think anyway really great Hooligan Sparrow really interesting doc this is from uh, Kino Lorber uh, the, uh, this is about um, Yay. Haiyan, who is otherwise known as Hooligan Sparrow, who is a uh, an activist in China, and uh, basically, you know, being an activist in China doesn't pay a lot of money. You can be an activist in certain parts of the world and be funded by nonprofits and, mm. and other, you know, there are ways of sort of making it uh, pay or making basically covering your expenses. She doesn't. She loses her home. She's on the street. Yeah, um, literally becomes homeless. Literally becomes homeless in one part of this, t- trying to care for, for her daughter, who, you know, supports her, but just, man, mom. Well, while know. fighting for issues that are bigger than just her and her life. It, it's, you know, she's, a lot of her, her fight is for sex workers in China, um, but it, she's basically fighting for women's rights yes. and, and the recognition of women. And uh, it, it's just, it is amazing the, the you know, the, the stern stuff that she is made of and the government, you know, there are parts of the film where the government uh, agents show up, try to break her door down, try to stop the shooting of the documentary. I mean, it gets intense. It is an intense film. Uh, really, really worth checking out. Uh, it'll tell you a lot about modern-day China and especially what uh, what human rights uh, activists in China have to go through. It is astonishing. Uh, I Am Bolt, a documentary about Usain Bolt. I am as heterosexual as they come, but if Usain Bolt asked me to, to Baby, consider it... Let, I, let's, go, let's go hang out. Yeah. For one thing, I, I want some of your DNA uh, uh, because that's amazing. just insane. This is a really neat sort of uh, all-access sort of let's hang around with Usain Bolt and his celebrity friends, you know, William Ziggy Marley, all of these sort of people who adore him, by the way, but not yeah. in that sort of sycophantic sort of way. Yeah. They actually just like him, that dude. Yeah. He's a cool guy. If he didn't happen to run, uh, you know, 100 miles an hour or whatever, he would still be a cool guy to hang out with. Would you sort of get a sense of when you see him in the world? This he is seems the, like a fun guy. This is what the thing I love about him is he's got the balance totally right. He's not one of these amazing athletes who comes and he's just, he's just, he's so humble. I'm just so glad to have the opportunity. And it, you know, I'm, I'm really, I, I'm just a guy. I'm an ordinary yeah. guy. No, you're not an ordinary no. guy. Yeah. You're the, you're the fastest human being who has ever been on the entire planet. And you're amazing because you're, you're like taller than you should be to be that fast. You're a freak of nature and it's amazing. Uh, and he knows that and he knows he's awesome and he has an ego about it. But he's not a jerk about it. Yeah, he 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 sort of has fun with it, and he's still approachable, and he's still everybody's friend, and he still walks the streets of Jamaica, and he loves the kids, and the kids love him, and he goes out, and everybody sees him, and he doesn't lock himself in an ivory tower. You never see him, uh, you know, and all these sort of wacky. Yeah. He's Pele. I always compare him to Pele. Perfect. He's perfect. Pele. Yeah, of, of his generation, yep. his sport. Totally true. 
Uh, New Orleans Music in Exile, uh, another great documentary by Robert Muggy, uh, who just makes some of the, the best documentaries around. Really great. Every single amazing New Orleans musician currently living shows up in this thing. It is, uh, it is really, really tremendous. But what this ultimately did is, is about, this is about the... Um, uh, what what happened in New Orleans music in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, which yeah. is that it, it it wound up no longer being localized in New Orleans. A diaspora. It became a diaspora, exactly. And uh, it is about both the, the the poetry and the tragedy of that. And uh, it is it's just it's terrific. But ultimately, you're watching this because it's about amazing musicians and amazing music. And that is from music video distributors MVD, and it is on Blu-ray. And then we also have uh, The Seasons in Quincy, Four Portraits of John Berger, which is a, uh, this is directed by, the Four Portraits directed by Bartek, uh, and I'm not even going to, I'm not going to come close to pronouncing his name correctly, uh, Gia Jos, uh, and then Colin McCabe, Christopher Roth, and of course Tilda Swinton, which is the, the way that this thing is marketed. Um, you know, John Berger is a, a fascinating figure, and uh, he really be kind of a bohemian jack-of-all-trades and philosopher, artist, poet, you name it. Yeah. And a fascinating guy. And uh, these are four seasonal chapters that look at different periods and, and different elements of his life. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of avant-garde-ish approach. Tilda Swinton is really probably the only person that got this made. And uh, it's worth checking out. This is from Icarus, and it is, uh, it is really, really uh, interesting, especially for fans of Burger. Mm. All right, so let's. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about just a few uh, Fox things here, and then we'll cover some. Uh, we've got TV, we've got anime, we've got a lot of stuff that really kind of uh, accumulated over the holidays. So we're going to try to put a dent in some of this. Um, there are some really interesting uh, MO, uh, manufacture on demand MOD titles that have come out from uh, Fox and MGM, the uh, Fox Cinema Archives titles for the most part. Uh, some of these are really, really fun. They, they're movies that have just completely fallen off the radar, and like all the MOD stuff that lives in the archives and the libraries of the major studios, a lot of these just, uh, they don't normally see the light of day. Nobody knows they're there, but you have a lot of great archivists and historians working at the studios who mine through this stuff and say, you know what, it's time that this be re- rediscovered. And, you know, this is, for film history, this is wonderful. Uh, Cinemascope classic, Women's World. Uh. Um, a lot of fun here. This is, you know, this is just one of those battle of the sexes, romantic comedy things of the era. It just is so of the era. If you like Mad Men, you'll Jean, love this. Gene Nicolescu, uh, directed by Gene Nicolescu. Yeah, who was yeah. a wonderful painter. People forget that before he was a filmmaker, he was a painter, a fairly Nicolescu? famous painter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, portraits of in, yeah. important Europeans. Yeah. Well, not then, of course, he had to flee. But uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. So, so essentially, the story here is that you have a guy who runs a uh, an auto company and uh, needs uh, needs a new sort of uh, you know uh, 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 vice president to to fill in, and um, it, it, it the the issue here is uh, whether or not your spouse is whether or not the woman. Is, is adequate to sort yeah. of complement the man in the job. It's very madman, very uh, re- regressive sex role stuff, but yet fun at the same time as long as you look at it through that kitschy prism. And, and the, the, despite the, 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 that theme, 
Yeah. The, in this case, Lauren Bacall, as I recall. Well, the the yes, uh, Lauren Bacall. Van Heflin. Lauren Bacall, Lauren June Bacall, Allison. June Allison. There are, the yeah. women are actually very sharp. The women make the movie. The women make the movie. They They're do. very sharp. They bring these men to heel, actually, in the in, in the way. Arlene Dahl. Arlene Dahl, in the way mm-hmm. these movies. Act. So you look at this movie, and you see what it's what it's about, and it seems like, oh my God, you know how? But no, the, the, the women are really strong in these movies. The men all basically take the uh, the the second role. Here, Clifton Webb, uh, Cornell Wilde, Van Heflin, and of course the great Fred McMurray. Yeah. It's, it's really a lot of fun. Uh, and then we've also got Sentimental Journey with John Payne and Maureen O'Hara, uh, co-starring William Bendix. This is just a really good, solid old melodrama. A lot of fun. Uh, it's you know about a woman who who adopts an orphan girl, and uh, you know it, 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 there's a, there's a, there's a whole tragic angle to it that I won't reveal. Uh, directed by Walter Lang. Walter it's a good, Lang. Good melodramas at the time, really just a that's just a lot of good drippy tear jerking stuff. Uh, Clifton Webb also shows up along with Maureen O'Hara again and Robert Young in Sitting Pretty. Uh, Sitting Pretty is kind of a kind of a silly film. Walter uh, Lang again. Walter Lang again. It's a, a bit of a silly film, um, but it, and it's also a Mr. Belvedere movie. You know, yeah. Mr. Belvedere <laughs> don't yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know Mr. Belvedere basically being a babysitter to to his kids. Uh, and yeah, it's fine. Uh, Betty Grable, Cesar Romero, George Montgomery, Coney Island, another big color uh, musical extravaganza from the day. Uh, really, it's you know you're, you're watching this just to see Betty Grable shake her stuff and, and put on a show, and it's uh, that's all there is to it. Also directed by Walter Lang, but uh, this one written by George Seaton, who uh, you know one of the great screenwriters of the era. And then speaking of Langs. This one is directed by the other Lang, Fritz Lang. Fritz, yeah. Fritz Lang's really fascinating Western, uh, Western Union, based on the book by Zane Grey. Now, Zane Grey, of course, wrote you know a lot of great Western material, but when you put it in the hands of a German uh, director of the expressionist, uh, of the expressionist school, uh, it becomes a whole different, weird kind of a thing. It's a Western noir. It is a Western noir. It's absolutely what you it have is. These angles and the, you know, and when you're watching it, you're like, oh wait a minute, what the hell's going it, on? Here? It really is. It's fascinating. It is just it's done in such an un- unusual, fascinating way. Uh, it's about a couple of brothers who are who are uh, outlaws and go separate ways and. Uh, you know, the, the separated by good and bad thing that we get in so many movies, the Cain Abel paradigm. Uh, but what's interesting is you get people like Robert Young and Randolph Scott and Dean Jagger, along with Virginia Gilmore, but specifically the men who all were Western stalwarts. Yeah. But they're totally different here. It's like Fritz Lang doesn't want to let them be what they've been in other movies. He makes them into something else, and it's really fascinating. So... Really interesting stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I got a few over here, so I go. All right, let's 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 pile through the. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's go through. <laughs> the thing about these movies, uh, some of these movies anyway, uh, is that they they were really extraordinary movies that gave us some interesting firsts, if not first, you know, close to the first. So Henry John McNaughton's Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, uh, which is a young Michael Rooker. I remember this being just a most profoundly disturbing movie. Uh, he's, he's just a drifter. He commits these uh, brutal uh, murders. He's just sort of like in the world doing this stuff. And, and there we are, just sort of like watching him, sort of loosely based on the story of Henry Lee Lucas, uh, you know, the actual serial killer. But this movie, I remember just having a sense of verite about it. 
and I remember in 19, this is 1986 film, yeah. people at the time thinking that this was a documentary about <laughs> Henry Lee Lucas. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a whole thing, and, yeah. and, and that that particular. Thing. So anyway, uh, this is the thirtieth uh, uh, anniversary edition of this of this film. Uh, all kinds of special features here: commentary track with the director. Uh, it, it, anyway, the more stuff you can possibly uh, list. So I don't know if, if this kind of stuff is your kind of stuff. Uh, this is a hell of a callback. I, I, I'm going to throw another little weird sidebar out there. So in 1992, I went to my first Cannes Film Festival, mm -hmm. and one of the films in competition that year was uh, Caro Diario, uh -huh. my, my Diary by Nanny Moretti. Mm -hmm. Now Nanny Moretti, of course, went on to get a, win a Palme d'Or for The Sun's Room, and he's still a you know a, a great filmmaker. Fun films that come out all the time. He's had a couple over the last couple of years. Very politically active in in, in Italy as well. Uh, Caro Diario is a very weird little road trip movie. He stars in it himself, and he's just on a on a on a kind of a whimsical road trip and writing a diary about it. And one of the recurring themes in that movie, which is why I can't watch Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer seriously anymore, <laughs> is how horrified he is, his character in the film, he's horrified by this movie. And you first see as he's sitting in a movie theater watching it, and they cut to the shot where Henry like basically slams a television set over that guy's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, they, and you cut to Nanny Moretti sitting and squirming in his seat and covering, covering his eyes. And for the remainder of the movie... He, there's there's all this referential stuff. It's like uh, I wonder if it's going to be as bad as Henry Porter does. <laughs> Everything is compared to the film, and so now I, I can't I can't watch that movie without thinking of Nanny Moretti squirming in his seat. It's just ruined the movie for me. That's so, astounding. That's, yeah. that's astounding. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, what else do we have here? Let's Believe see. it or not, nineteen ninety six. We are looking at the twentieth anniversary edition. Of Jerry Maguire. Good night, folks. I'm done. I'm going to go kill myself. 20 years ago, Jerry Maguire. You, you had me at... What did he have her? Hello. Gonna, hello. Had her at hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Anyway, this is, this is... I don't have to tell you about the movie, but this is jam-packed with everything on the planet, uh, including several all-new special features. Uh, uh, a three-part retrospective feature film featuring interviews with Tom Cruise and Cameron Crowe, uh, nearly 60 minutes of never-before-seen uh, footage and deleted scenes and yeah. extended scenes and all of that kind of stuff, yeah. photo gallery, um, uh, lots and lots of commentaries. Uh, you got commentaries from Cruise, uh, Zellweger, Cuba Gooding Jr., yeah. Cameron Crowe, uh, more than just my, uh, all kinds of stuff, including stuff. things that are not even related to the movie. Um, uh, uh, Tom, I still love this Tom, movie. Tom, I, it's actually, this movie still works for me, too. I don't know why Cameron Crowe can't do this again. I don't know what's happened in his life and his heart and his emotions that he can't sort of go to that kind of a place again, but that was... It won an Oscar for him. Well, the last time, uh, almost famous. I think yeah. it has to be. I mean, I mean, I know he's made a few movies. Yeah. And almost famous was the last time that he got to that spot where it really resonated with me in that way. Yeah. Uh, did he do extremely close, extremely loud, and incredibly close? No, he, I mean he did. Well, Vanilla Sky is what. Well, that Vanilla south. Sky adaptation that he yeah. did, which I don't hate, but still, after seeing you know opening the original, eyes, yeah. Just, you know, yeah, no point. Uh, this is just wonderful and ultraviolet so beautiful you can add Jerry Maguire to your ultraviolet library which by the way I should point out I am, I am increasingly discovering the joys of ultraviolet and Disney movies anywhere meaning uh, meaning this that uh, my, my daughter is obsessed with four films, uh, films in particular it is a daily constant rotation between Little Mermaid Beauty and the Beast <laughs> Uh, uh, Sleeping Beauty and Snow White. So it is. It is the it is the Disney princess complex. The 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 princess industrial complex, yeah. as some have referred to it, yeah. uh, nonstop every day. This is her choice. We didn't sort of shove princesses down her throat. 
and my wife insists that they be referred to as warriors, <laughs> not princesses. So she uh, she will she wants to see her warriors. Okay, fair enough, good. So uh, not a lot of warrior in Snow White, but no. fair enough. We'll we'll I'll, I'll go with it. So um, rather than sticking in a bl- every every time one is over and pulling it out and putting it in another disc. Uh, I, I've got the uh, the DVD player, the the Oppo player, the Blu-ray player. Is uh, I just switch that thing into the voodoo mode, oh, yeah. and they are all right there. <laughs> yes, 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 right there. I don't have to get a disc. I don't have to do anything. It's just right there all the time. So uh, <gasps> there is there is something to it. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Little girls, the things little girls will make. You it's do. true. Well, you're making Very true. Too. Sudden Fear, 1952, David Miller film. Uh, <laughs> this is an extremely uh, impactful film, even now. This movie still works. It's about this this actor uh, who plots to marry this extremely rich woman so that he can kill her, uh, and it works out actually uh, quite intensely. This is from uh, Cohen features, of course, uh, audio commentary um, uh, on this film, as long as uh, a re-release of the trailer and a few other. Look, this is um, this is the wonderful Jack Palance looming mm. in black and white. Uh, yeah, I mean, young Jack Palance, who is just a a physical, just a physical manifestation on screen. No, uh, it's talking Jack, slowly so and moving. It's just really, really extraordinary. So, uh, uh, one hell of a movie. If you haven't seen it before, Joan Crawford, Jack Palance, Gloria Graham, Sudden Fear. All right, I'm going to roll through some exploitation-y stuff here, and I'm going to move from one library into another library in a really, really cool way. Um, First, I'm going to start off with uh, Blue Underground's release of uh, 99 Women Behind Bars Without Men. <laughs> women, in, women, in, women in prison movies, they just never get old. Uh, this is the uh, three-disc unrated director's cut edition of the Jess Franco film. If you're a fan of Jess Franco, you have my sympathies, because Tim and I just are not real <laughs> Jess Franco fans, but... Uh, yet I find him oddly compelling in some weird ways. He didn't make good movies, but he made movies that I just I can't stop watching. They are particular in their own way. They, they are indeed. So uh, this is this is this is not necessarily at all like the women in prison films that no. uh, Jonathan Demme wrote and directed early in his career. And he did a lot of them, you know, caged this and caged that. And, yeah. And then what, what's the, what's the one with uh, uh, with Pam with, Greer? With Pam and, Greer. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. What was that Set one? Set in the Philippines. It the, was those a white woman and a black woman yeah, and the handcuffed kid. together yeah. and there's a whole it's like it's, 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 it's like that whole Sydney Portier yeah yeah, uh, yeah. The, 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 Curtis thing yeah exactly they, they just did it a female style anyway uh, so just Franco it's, it's a ridiculous movie but it's insane and it is crazy and they did a full restoration on it and it's gorgeous to look at and yet it's insane uh, Maria Schell Stars in it, and, along with Mercedes McCambridge, Maria Rome, and, of course, the great uh, wacky actor Herbert Lom, who just uh, is still doing these things by the 60s and 70s. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. But 99 Women, if you want to watch it, Blue Underground on Blu-ray. And then we move into some Vestron films. Now, Vestron has gotten a little bit of a new release on life. Lionsgate is releasing all the old Vestron movies as part of the Vestron Video Collector Series. Vestron was one of the first companies to actually start making and releasing movies straight to VHS. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they kind of pioneered the idea that movies didn't actually, now that the home video market is there, you didn't have to go to a theater first. You could become a brand just in home home video, and there was a moment during the early days of VHS when that was absolutely true. People, yeah. people, people did not need a film to have had a theatrical release. No, nope. 
I would go to the and I would just grab them off the shelf. Yeah. Yep. So we get Return of the Living Dead three. Now, if you haven't seen Return of the Living Dead one and two, that's okay. Uh, plot is not what this is about. This is all about uh, 80s era gore makeup and all that fun stuff. This is uh, a, a later one. It is in 1992, so it's technically the 90s, but it's still kind of the 80s. And we're sort of on the tail end of that, and uh, it still feels like an '80s movie. It's it's ridiculous. It's you know it's a, it's it's a zombie movie that does not need any explanation. Uh, and then we also have from Vestron Video Collector Series on Blu-ray, Chud Two, Bud the Chud. Uh, Chud, of course, stands for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. And uh, this is the this is from 1988. It is the sequel that did not need to exist because Chud really pretty much did everything it needed to do. But this is a, it's a little bit like uh, Gremlins 2. It gets cheekier and campier, and uh, you know it, it it's it's played for laughs. And you see it basically because it's just loaded with 80s kitsch, the hairstyles, the clothes, the look. Everything is just really really 80s. And uh, it, it's it's silly. It's meant it's meant to be comedic. On the other hand, you could go to the Arrow Library, which is being released through MVD, and see the original Chud, yeah. which is also out. Cannibalistic human humanoid, under, humanoid underground, underground dwellers. dwellers. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I had friends who just were, <laughs> they they just were obsessed with this movie. Uh, so this is the original Chud, which is less funny and campy than its sequel, uh, but because it, 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 it has real actors in it, John Hurd, Daniel Stern, uh, and it's, uh, it, it actually is surprisingly effective, believe it or not. It is still really uh, creepy and very effective. So um, the original Chud, I give a preferential treatment, loaded with extras on this two-disc edition, uh, interviews, isolated score... Uh, a tour of the locations in New York City where they shot it. I mean, they really went to town. It's just it's loaded, loaded with fun, uh, fun, uh, cultish, cultish goodies. And as long as we're in the Arrow Library, we've got two more to go for. Uh, the Driller Killer, Abel Ferrara's classic. This is a DVD and Blu-ray uh, dual disc set. This is the director-approved edition. So Abel was apparently. Uh, uh, in his right mind long mm. enough to approve this. A little bit of an odd guy, but... Uh, Abel made a couple of movies I really like. King of New York. Uh, the, the, it, he's like Cronenberg in this sense, that even when he's making something like Driller Killer, which yeah. is a straight-up exploitation film, there's still an artist at work, tr- at work trying yeah. to do something interesting. Like, you watch Videodrome or even, you know, anything that Cronenberg he, he, did. He, he did a... Uh, Abel did a version of Invasion of the Body Snatcher. Yes, he did. It was actually Yeah, which good. Mark and I talked about some weeks ago. Yeah, yeah which is now out on Blu-ray as well. Anyway, uh, you get an audio commentary from Abel Ferrara, moderated by uh, the author of the book about him, uh, Brad Stevens. And that is uh, is a really, really interesting commentary. Uh, it's not as insightful as I perhaps wished it were, but it's really, really interesting. And uh, then, you know, again, just loaded, loaded with extras. Uh, really fascinating. You get two aspect ratios of the film here, 185 and 137. And, uh, you know, Driller Killer is kind of the film that, uh, that led to his career going more legit. It's, but it's creepy and, and pretty gory. Uh, and then lastly from the Arrow Library, Creep Show 2, another sequel that did not need to exist. The original Creep Show is fun, especially seeing Stephen King as an actor. And uh, Creep Show 2 was an attempt by uh, George Romero and Stephen King to, to push it a little bit 
too far. So, uh, but that said, a lot of extras here. If you're a fan of the of the film, if you're a fan of the stories here, uh, you know there's you know effects featurettes and there's an audio commentary with the director, uh, a, a new interview with actor Daniel Beer, uh, and and you know other assorted goodies, stills and uh, trailers and TV commercials. Mm. Uh, Space Jam, uh, believe it or not. My, or not. my appreciation for that film has gone up ever since they announced Space Jam 2 with LeBron, which I know <laughs> is just going to be unwatchable. So now I'm kind of nostalgic for this. Of course, I didn't you know, like it at the time. The, 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 this was one of the early uh, com- combina- combining animation with yeah. live action. Yeah. Michael Jordan, of course, uh, yeah. in the movie. The, the Looney Tunes need to win the game. Michael Jordan's first and, and only, only movie? First and only movie? Uh, I think he's played himself in a in few in cameo, yeah. but the only one that he has been the star of. Of yeah, you know, yeah, as opposed to a cameo. Okay, which of course this opened the way for Shaquille O'Neal, O'Neal to do Shazam, uh, or Kazam, 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 Kazam. and uh, Steel, and Steel. Oh, you know, so Michael, Michael Jordan opened the way. Yeah. You know, uh, Joe Pickup, who directed this movie, uh, had did a couple of music videos. Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson music videos, I recall, and Let It Ride with and, Richard Dreyfuss. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss was yeah. was his feature uh, yeah. film, and then and for whatever reason, this uh, for this film has a, a popular following. Lots of people love Space Jam. P- Pitka Pitka has. Um... He's still a big commercial director. He just doesn't yeah. do features. He, doesn't, but yeah. if you see any commercials for like American Express or for you know they're, they're, where, where there are maybe like eight or nine different locations around the globe, you know, thing it, his commercials, the the ones that he does now, they usually start off. We operate. They use like tech companies. <laughs> tech companies do it too. We operate in 375 countries around the globe, and you'll see shots of people like in yeah, India exactly. and and in Nigeria and in yeah. Siberia and Mongolia and Argentina and Nebraska, and they're sitting at computers or they're playing with their children, and we make life better all across our shared home. That those are all. Those, those, that's, that's, that's what he does stuff. now. Yeah. Oh, well, interesting. This has all uh, uh, digital HD. Uh, all kinds of you know, featurettes yeah. and commentaries and all kinds. Space Jam, uh, a lot of fun there. The Magic Box, which is about the oh, films of Shirley Clark. Yeah. Uh, the extraordinary um, uh, woman director. Shirley. From, Mile- from Milestone. Milestone has been uh, really going to, to town for Shirley Clark for a long time. And yeah. Shirley was just an avant-garde uh, experimental filmmaker who did a couple of features. That, uh, even even as features were still avant-garde, people would the cool yeah. room, people would talk directly to the yep. camera and all that kind of stuff. Was she a UCLA girl? Was she one of your... Was she I, I think she was. Yeah. I think she was a UCLA yeah. girl. So, um, yeah, like as, as you say, from Milestone, uh, three this deluxe set covering uh, the films from nineteen uh, uh, twenty nine to nineteen eighty seven. Uh, the Dancer Bride, Runaway, The Radical. It's just just it's fantastic stuff. So check that out. I have Quiet Earth. Mm, that's great. Uh, a, a really fantastic sort of a sci fi film. Um, uh, groundbreaking a guy wakes up he thinks he's yeah. the only person on the planet he finds out that there are a couple of people left he seems to be only right. and, and all these sort of agendas and everything that, that play out a really really powerful film commentary uh, from Neil deGrasse Tyson yeah on this documentary, yeah. of course, you noted physiologist Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, of, of the most recent incarnation of Cosmos. Exactly, which is a just interesting thing in and of itself. I want to watch this just so I can turn on the commentary to see what the heck Neil is talking about. Um, this has bonus, uh, other bonus features, in, in, in including a couple of essays on the... Pretty great. What is this, the Blu-ray? Blu-ray. 
Uh, Blu-ray from the uh, Film Movement uh, Collectors series. And then uh, lastly on the uh, on this, uh, well, it's not even, it's, it's like a classic movie now because it was last year, so we're including <laughs> it in the segment. The, uh, it's a two-film collection of Mad Max Fury Road, which also includes the Mad Max Fury Road Black and Chrome Edition. Now, uh, I don't know why they released this, uh, because George Miller just, I guess, felt like the movie is cooler in black and white. Hmm. So he gives you the version, the, the theatrical version, and a black and white version of it, which is the black and chrome uh, edition. I'm not... It's a rock and roll movie, that's for sure. That's interesting, I though, black and white. I don't find that it is all that interesting. In, I mean, it's a great movie, but watching it in black and white, I'm just struck by the fact that I'm watching Mad Max Fury Road in black and white. Yeah. It doesn't really change anything. It's a very peculiar gimmick, and I, I don't really get why he uh, wanted this. But in any case, it's got a new edition, a new introduction by George Miller where he tries to justify it, and not very well. And then uh, you get some featurettes, and I would uh, really say if you have the previous edition, don't dibble dip. Or just, you know, put it in, uh, go to your television menu settings, uh, find the selection for color, yeah. <laughs> and reduce it to zero. Yeah. Uh, I, and unless there's something else going on there that I don't get. Uh, wow. Which, you know, maybe there is. Maybe there is something else. Okay, uh, let's hit some TV. I'm gonna I'm gonna burn as quickly as I can through a a giant. We we uh, we overdid it a little bit, <laughs> a little bit when uh, we solicited the people at Fox to um, get us some of their uh, National Geographic television stuff. Mm. Uh, I good stuff got, all. Good stuff yeah, all. It's it's all really good stuff, but there's a ton of it. So. Here we go, really, really quickly. These are all a series from the National Geographic Channel. And uh, as many as I was able to get a look at, they're all worth checking out. i got to be honest. National Geographic does a really, really good job with all their stuff. It's all, it, it's, it sets itself apart from your usual PBS and your Learning Channel and all the other ones because they really are trying to keep it real and keep it serious. So uh, Southern Justice Season 3 is out, uh, two discs. This is all about a uh, sheriff deputies in a county in Tennessee and in uh, another county in North Carolina. Uh, it is not like cops. It is this is much more earnest and real stuff. Mm. We also have Return from the Dead, which is a this is a documentary uh, about a neuroscientist looking into the human brain and near death experiences and and all of that stuff. So, um, not terribly conclusive, but still very interesting and provocative. We have season three of When Sharks Attack. That warrants absolutely no introduction. It is great photography, but I don't like watching it because it makes me scared and have yeah, nightmares. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am Rebel is a documentary series about... Uh, this is four episodes in this. Uh, this is all about the... Um, about... I don't even know how to really put this, but it is it is about uh, living outside the box. It is about people who make... who just uh, find a way to make life better, not by breaking the law, but by breaking the rules. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. Uh, that's, that is really interesting and very sharp. Rebel Pope... Is all about the uh, current Pope Francis and uh, how he has sort of changed the papacy and uh, turned the church on its head and all of the uh, the residual effects of that. I don't know that that's conclusive or not, but it's interesting. Animals Gone Wild season three. This is a little bit uh, like the when sharks attack. I, I, I hate to I hate to interrupt, but you know what's funny about the huh. current Pope? Huh? Is that everybody forgets that the other Pope? Yeah, he's still there. Yeah. <laughs> 
is. Yeah, he's in a little room. Yeah, yeah. back. Everybody yeah. forgets he's not dead yet. No. They, they're waiting for that guy. That, that, I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. He's still there. He's still there. Two popes right now. It's interesting. <laughs> Animal, Animals Gone Wild, season three. This is like when sharks attack, except it's not sharks. It's bears and hippos and rhinos and birds and everything else just uh, being unbelievably brutal and ruthless and uh, not holding anything back. Uh, Missing Dial is uh, a two-disc set, uh, six episodes. All of this is about, and, and it's, it's not the dial on your television. This is about Cody Roman Dial. Uh, who is the son of an explorer named Roman Dial. And uh, Cody disappeared while hiking in uh, Central America. And uh, this is a really intriguing uh, kind of a whodunit thing that goes into trying to figure out where he went and what happened to him. And it is... um, a little bit unnerving. Mm. Uh, Dr. Oakley, Yukon Vet, Season 3. I don't need to explain that. She's uh, she's a vet and she works in the Yukon and it is beautifully photographed and it is really informative and she is awesome. Uh, speaking of Neil deGrasse Tyson, season one of Star Talk. This is another show where he uh, talks to all kinds of interesting people. And uh, you, you know, I've, I've been listening to that show as a podcast for. For for you know all I had no idea it was an actual television. Yeah, show. it is. It's yeah. a it, it's his late night talk show. Yeah. If you get sick of walk, watching comics and people that just make jokes, you yeah. can turn on to a guy who's really kind of amazingly brilliant. Yeah, and it just talking. Uh, J- I had no idea it was an actual show. Yeah, like Jimmy Carter's on this. Yeah, yeah. And season one of the Great Human Race, which is also really really interesting. This is two discs, uh, ten episodes. Which is all about, uh, you know, the archaeological history of humankind just managing to survive under all these inclement conditions. Really, really interesting. Just like we're racing from the past to the future. Mm. Very, very, very interesting. Migrations, season one. Uh, very clever little pun on the title. Migrations with M-Y. Uh, two discs, eight episodes. This is similar in some respects to uh, the, uh, the great human race. Uh, this is, uh, although, you know, kind of projected to, um, uh, the, the, to, to the animal world, I, I guess is the best way of putting it. Uh, the, uh, focusing on the, um, kind of like a safari tour, uh, that uh, visits the wildebeest migration across the Serengeti. Uh, very, very interesting. Um, just cause it makes me want to do it. <laughs> Right and and you know our friend Nadim who has guested on this show yes. before uh, briefly Nadim grew up all over Africa because uh, his dad was a, a UN uh, diplomat so he was he lived in like five or six different countries in, in Africa and he chased wildebeests as a kid yeah how do you I mean like really as a kid I thought a wildebeest was a made up thing no it, no it's, it's a, a thing. It's an actual thing and he would yeah. chase and them he, and he actually was chasing the real thing I, I just I can't even imagine that. Uh, original Sin, Sex, uh, not quite so National geographic This is two discs, six episodes. Um, it's not as, as uh, titillating as the, uh, the artwork and the commercials necessarily lead it to be. Uh, it tries to sort of be a little bit uh, provocative, but at the same time it also just sort of analyzes sex in society and in the media and, and how it's presented and so forth and so on. Uh, Gerald R. Ford, Test of Character, narrated by Jeff Daniels. Uh, revisits the uh, the, the uh, presidency of a man who was never actually elected to the presidency, uh, which is kind of amazing. He wasn't even elected on a ticket. Yeah, 
he was, I mean, it's the most fascinating presidency. He was selected after the previous vice president. Spiro Agnew. Spiro Agnew uh, resigned. Yeah. And then I, he, I, I, I indicted for tax evasion, and if then, I recall. Yeah, and then became president when Nixon resigned. Yeah. It, it, I mean, maybe the only president who never actually ran on a ticket. And, yeah, because I'm so old, I actually remember all of this uh, in real time, might have been elected himself had he not pardoned Nixon. True. Might have beat Jimmy could have Carter. Cha- could have changed everything. Might have uh, beat Jimmy Carter. He might have. He might have. <laughs> so, uh, in any case, this revisits what his his what he had to do in to sort of help heal the country yeah. after Watergate and all of that, and what a tall order that was. Very interesting. Uh, Primal Survivor, season one. Uh, essentially, just a you know another one of these uh, Survivor type shows, but it's not like Survivor, the game show, the the reality show. This is more about you know the reality of if you have to survive and do all that Boy Scout stuff and mm. let's say you're caught in the Amazon what, what, do, you need to, what do you need to do uh, The Greeks is a, a great three episode uh, documentary about the, the roots that these modern civilized world has in Greece and Greek, Greek culture and the contributions of the Greeks really uh, always, always a good thing to remember uh, United States of Animals season one this is a great one to watch with the kids. Uh, I have not watched this with my daughter, but it's uh, two discs and 12 episodes. Uh, all about just amazing animals. Reminds me of Wild Kingdom when I was a kid. Every Sunday I used to watch Wild Kingdom with Marlon Perkins. And yes, I love that show. Wasn't that great? And you know what? It, it was What was the guy, the other guy? You remember the other guy's the name? The young guy. The young Steve guy. Steve something. Yeah, Steve. Yeah. yeah. yeah what, you know, it was always Marlon. Here's what I remember about that Steve show. Steve was always having the Russell alligators. And, <laughs> that was it. And, but it was hysterical. Marlon Perkins would go out and he would, he, he, you know, he was like Walt Disney yeah. you know, of, of nature. He would say, uh, Steve and I just went out and saw whole lot of alligators Steve wrestled them and he's like oh, he's the guy who's always wrestling them and you know I never understood why he was wrestling Steve, them Steve grab that thing and bring it over here <laughs> oh we went out and we found ourselves a boa constrictor Steve wrestled it and Steve and Steve's wrestling the boa constrictor I never understood why Steve had to go wrestle with the animals and Marlon just sat in the jeep and watched Oh, it's too funny. Mutual of uh, Omaha. Uh, animal Storm Squad season one. As long as we're on the animal thing, it's about people rescuing animals in storms. Pretty great. Uh, five episodes, and um, uh, it, it's really touching. It'll kind of get you a little bit weepy. I mean, these, <laughs> you know, you think in, in storms people go, "Well, rescue the people, rescue the car, we'll rescue all this," and like animals get. Caught yeah. up in those things too, and somebody's got to care for them. And people put themselves at jeopardy: uh, firemen, uh, firemen, paramedics, yeah. uh, police officers, to get kitties and doggies and horse and pigs, all kinds of things, all kinds of uh, to, to save the animals. Sometimes I think they would leave people in those holes. Very true. Uh, but we're going to get that kitten out of there. And then uh, season one of the yard. Uh, the yard is all about shipbuilding and what goes into building ships, and it is exhausting. Uh, it really the uh, it's it's amazing building ferries and ships and it's just uh, you know it's just too much work. Uh, it's specifically focused on Alaska and uh, it just it's it's one of, it, it reminds me like some of those uh, T, I think those are TLC dirty jobs oh, oh, yeah, and yeah, 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 ice yeah. road truckers and those things. It's like oh my gosh, you just you thank God you don't have to actually do what some of these people do. And then a, kind of sideways from that is Port Protection season two. Season two on three discs, uh, ten episodes here, and the um, this is focusing primarily on the uh, people who protect our ports, and uh, it's a little bit more. It's it kind of you know sideways from the 
the ship people. Uh, it, it's pretty intense. Um, it's it's a whole different lifestyle. So there you go. Uh, I got I got a whole bunch of TV stuff over here. Can I can I Rocket. can Let's I get a little, bit, a little bit of this? A lot yeah. of the stuff I actually watch. Broad City season three. Yeah, I, I like Broad City. Ileana Glazier, Abby Jacobson. Yeah, uh, these two young women, along with uh, uh, Hannibal Burris, of course. Yeah, Hannibal Burris being the comedian. Um, who uh, we should note uh, outed Bill Cosby, re-outed Bill Cosby. Oh, uh, and, uh, wow. And, and, you know, he was the comedian who sort of brought that all up again, about yeah. you know that, that those issues up again, uh-huh. who sort of ignited all of that and led us to, you know, led Bill uh, to the place where that is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fairly brave thing to do. For one thing, you're Hannibal Burris, not that many people have heard of you right. uh, as a comedian, and, and you have the balls to go out and defend women. People forget the entire context of that joke. Uh, it was a joke wherein he was actually supporting uh, women uh, in the business. So it was, all, it was all the whole thing. It has nothing to do with this. This is about Broad City Season 3. This is just absolutely hysterically funny to me. These two Jewish girls roaming around New York, being perfectly ridiculous, yet very sharp and very versatile and, and supporting of themselves, doing everything that they can do. Um, uh, extras include uh, a hack into Broad City and some deleted scenes and some other stuff like that. <laughs> funny. In juxtaposition to to Broad City, yeah. a, a show about uh, young women in New York is Girls, which is a show about completely different young women. Yeah, sort of in New York, uh, perhaps a little bit higher on the totem pole in terms of uh, uh, society, in terms of social class, and things like that. Yet, still a very neat series that I've enjoyed over the years. Uh, this one is what season is this? Oh, this is the complete season. This is the fifth season. This is yeah. a five-season show, yeah. but that's what we have here, the fifth season yeah. of Girls. Bonus features include uh, deleted scenes and extended, extended scenes and some inside some of the episodes. Anyway, a neat series that went on uh, a little bit longer than I thought it might have, uh, given the material that they were covering, but there it is, Girls, uh, the complete uh, fifth uh, season. Uh, Bob's Burgers. Yep. Well, you're Bob, are, are, you, are you a Bob's Burgers fan? I have watched enough to know that I can enjoy it in small pieces, but... Um, I live in the exact same spot. Yeah. I can't watch I, this it, no, every day. It's, it's not The Simpsons. See, see, Mark's a huge Family Guy fan. We argue about that on the show all the time. I, 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 can, enjoy, I can enjoy watching The Family Guy. It's a little bit how I feel about South Park these mm. days. Like, I used to love South Park, but now I feel like Family Guy, South Park... I can enjoy a YouTube clip that shows me one joke that lasts about 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then I'm good for about two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. feel like I'm in I touch like, with what's yeah, going on. Same in touch thing. With culture. Same thing with Bob's Burgers. Nevertheless, this is the complete fifth season. Contains all 21 episodes. Uh, and uh, not a whole lot of additional stuff on this. Just, but if you like the series, I guess you don't need a whole lot of additional stuff. And a blast from the past, Mad About You, the complete series, uh, which was part of way back, you know, they even say here, must-see television. This was back on must-see TV uh, Thursday nights. Uh, Mill Creek is releasing a lot of these TV uh, things in new boxed sets, uh, which have been previously released. So Sony is kind of handing the baton off to them. They're doing a great job. Uh, Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt, still a really good show. One of the best finales ever uh, and uh, now uh, affordably priced in a new box set. Hairspray Live, another one of those NBC Live musicals. I gotta say, I didn't get it. Don't really, I don't think it works. I like that Peter Pan one. Did you like the Peter the, Pan the, one? The, you remember the, yeah. yeah. It might have been the first, maybe the second one. 
Yeah. Um, I, I kind of dug that. Uh, this one I did not see. Yeah, I don't. I just, I, you know, here's the thing. I love the original hairspray. Mm. I'm not such a fan of the the the, the musicalization of it, mm. which I'm, I'm happy for John Waters. It made him very like it made him more money in about like a month of Broadway performances than he made in the rest of his entire career. Yeah. So good for him. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It uh, you know live television anyway. If you if you saw it and you liked it, that's fine. And uh, the complete first season of The Grinder, Rob Lowe will not go away. He will just not go away, uh, and he doesn't age. Gosh, I hate him so much. Watched um, him in Oxford Blues the other day, about 1984, 85, something like that. Yeah, he already moved. You know, he, he came into the world a movie star. Yeah, uh, just just was always a movie star. I went to school with him. You know I know, that, right? I know. I, I remember very well when he was running for class treasurer in junior high school. He's a year <laughs> ahead of me, and I remember very well. You know, he went up and he gave a he gave us his little speech about what the treasurer does. And I knew another guy. There was another friend of mine who who was also running for treasurer, and he went up second and gave the speech. It was like the exact same speech, and everyone <laughs> laughed. Everyone started cracking up. And I remember thinking at the time, "Gosh, he's a lucky guy." He just. He looks good, and he can't. He can do no wrong. Everyone loves Rob Lowe, and, that, and he wasn't even a star at the time. No. He, he was doing like McDonald's commercials, where it's like, you know, <laughs> holding the, the, the hamburger in the camera. And um, uh, anyway, so the mean? grinder. He and Fred Savage are brothers, uh, and uh, you know, one it's it's a it's the mismatched brother thing. One is a is a TV lawyer, and the other one is an actual lawyer, and you know they. The antics and comedy ensue. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Rob is very talented, and he's very funny. And, and he's always made really good choices with material. A certain amount of longevity there that I have to, that one just simply has to respect. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, a certain long, and, and, you know, a bit of a shapeshifter. He was a pretty boy. Yeah. Pretty boys from the middle 80s, late 70s, yeah. middle 80s, yeah. you know, with that jawline and the hair and all yeah. that. Not many of those guys made it out. Nah, you know, they didn't. They didn't make it through, didn't, never had a chance to do anything serious. Rod, did, he did some serious work for one thing on the West uh, the West Wing. Yeah. He did serious work on that show. Sure did. Uh, so, you know, uh, and there, there you go. Um, I got a couple over here. Okay. Cashmere Mafia. Ooh. Uh, uh, a series uh, that didn't last very long uh, from the, I don't know, about 2008 or so. Starred Lucy Liu, Francis O'Connor, and a few other people like that. Seems like this series would have lasted a little while. It was about all these sort of high powered women in New York City. Uh, 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 networking with each other and other people that they knew to sort of advance their careers. It struck me as a, per- yeah. as a fairly good idea for a television series. Didn't do all that well. Hung around for one season, Cashmere Mafia. Still, kind of neat. The complete series we have here because uh, the complete series consists of only one season <laughs> of, the, of the actual show. So that's, 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 that's okay, I suppose. The New Girl. Um, I like The New Girl. With our Zoe Dashnell. Love Zoe. We've loved Zoe for so long. You know, the, it surprises me, though. This is the fifth season that we have here of The New Girl. It surprises me that this show made it that long. It's a one-joke show. It is. Uh, you know, all she's of, so charming. But that's what it is, and that's why it's made it. Her charm, the charm of a couple of the guys who are yeah. on, the, on the series, too, as they go through all sorts of her relationship machinations. And uh, it reminds me of That Girl. Remember That Girl? Oh, yeah. Totally. Uh, Marlon Thomas. You, yeah, I'm yeah. completely giving away my age there. But Zoe is, uh, I don't know, cuter and sexier and an interesting thing. So, she's just uh, great. The fifth season of The New Girl on DVD. Uh, Tim, I'm going to take a little weird little blast from the past here. Paramount has just released The Love Boat, Season 3, in Volume 1 and Volume 2. Now, 
Uh, look, Love Boat's great. Great guest stars. Uh, it, it, everything is wonderful. Uh, the third season is even better than the first and the second season. Mm. So I highly recommend this. But I just want to point something out. Season one came out in 2008. Season two came out in 2009. Mm. And then for some reason, Paramount decided to push pause and force Love Boat fans to go without their fix for seven years. What the heck was that Why? about? I, I don't know. I mean, the Love Boat ran for, you know, like a good decade at least. So we got a lot of Love Boat coming. I, I, I just want to say to Paramount, are, are you going to wait seven years between every single new mm. season? Because I'm going to be on Social Security by the, the time. The fans you... will age out. I, I, I had a crush on Lauren Twos like you. Oh, like believe. crazy. That's yeah. Crazy crush. Crazy crush. Uh, uh, so please uh, get this stuff out there. I mean, figure out what you're going to do with this. I mean, if you're going to do this, then uh, here's what I recommend. Get yourself a big box set, the complete love boat, and uh, get it out there. The whole yeah, thing. Yeah. The whole thing. Just Don't, push the whole thing out there. No more half season. The love boat is all about the guest stars anyway. It's oh, all about yeah. watching the love boat and seeing who, and seeing who walks onto that, sh- that, 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 that ship. Sonny Bono, Charo, and Joe Namath, my all-time favorites. <laughs> Those three. Fabulous. Oh, fantastic, fantastic, yes. fantastic. Uh, Star Trek. Enterprise. Uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Um, in a big box set, set seasons yeah. one through three, uh, one, two, and three, yeah. and then as a separate disc, season four. Yeah. Uh, in the set, not exactly sure wh- wh- why that, but anyway, nevertheless, yeah. you get all ninety-seven episodes uh, on a twenty-seven uh, disc set. Yeah. Uh, the complete series. I, I was a big fan of this series. I know a lot. Of, a lot of people like try to ignore it or skip it or pretend like it doesn't exist. It, I'm a big fan of Scott Bakula for one thing. Yeah, it, it was. I, I like that they went to where they tried to go on the show. I just don't think fans really wanted to go to that place. It's a little too close to our point in time. Yeah. You know, it tried to tie the now to the then and 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 sort of st- stitch it together. I think it's a perfectly decent link. It, it's, it's a western, basically. It's just a western anyway. Yeah. And yeah. it's a perfect. I that series. For me, was the one that lived in the space, particularly because of the way that it started. You know, started there in the cornfields yeah. with, yeah. the, with the with the Klingon running through the cornfields, and, and and all of the dress was kind of contemporary. The yes. clothing that people was wearing, and you know, there was like a uh, you know a space car or something like that. Yeah. But but generally, in watching that series, and when it first started, I kept thinking to myself. This could have, this this could be in my lifetime. Well, that's it. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted it. They wanted to give you something where you felt like I could touch this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This yeah. isn't so distant from me yeah. here now. So I give anyway, credit for that. I, I like it. I, it fills in. It fills in some important mortar in the in the Star Trek universe. So I, I'm sorry it didn't last long. Which they're a little bit better about, frankly, um, than they are in the Star Wars universe. In the Star yes. Wars universe, you know that new movies in the yeah. Rogue is in the they yeah. write a prequel to the thing to the oh, thing. They're not so good at that. No. You know, uh, they will just make stuff up, ignore things. <laughs> uh, you know, so anyway, whatever. Sleepy Hollow, complete third season. Oh, uh, I loved that show when it was on. You know, this show, I mean, it's it's not the movie. I just want to point out, no. it's not the Tim Burton movie. This is, uh, some, I know people are like, oh, they made it. No, it's a, it's a different deal. Uh, this is all 18 episodes from season three, and a really, really sharp show. Got a lot of mileage out of... Uh, kind of switching the premise up but um 
Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 you know. You, you pop, you take this show. It's a nutty premise for for a show, and yeah. it went and it went sideways three or four times over the. I think the last season was maybe but last season. But in creative season. ways. But in creative ways, you got Orlando Jones running around this show. You got you got Ichabod Crane. Yeah. You, you have Nicole Bahari, uh, who's so hot it's, it's ridiculous, and she's just FBI. This is what I like about the show. I just it, go ahead. The, and the tell whole you. the whole time travel aspect kind the, of it's it's, 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 it's cool. back and forth. Yeah. You got Nicole Bahari. Uh, who starts off as a cop, a sheriff, then becomes a detective, and by the time the show ends, she's an FBI agent. <laughs> I'm like, this is just an amazing career arc yeah. that this young woman's had, but this is what I love about that show. She had a gun, and she wasn't afraid to use it. Every episode of that show, Nicole Bahari was just capping to hell out of demons. I mean, she's just cranking yeah. all, all 15 out of that clip she would use. Just good action. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and then uh, my last two here. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the show. Uh, I love Lucy Superstar Special Number Two. I cannot endorse these. I don't know why Paramount keeps doing this. I, they owe us a lot of seasons of I Love Lucy on Blu-ray. They have not finished that run up. They keep trying to milk it with these these colorized Superstar Specials, which are just terrible. It, the show should not be colorized. First of all, I Love yeah. Lucy lives in black and white. That's the best way it is. It was shot by one of the great cinematographers of all time. Uh, who shot many great silent films it should live in black and white you should honor his achievement this is just a couple of uh, episodes from the uh, the Hollywood trip Lucy visits Grauman's and Lucy and John Wayne which are of course you know two episodes that plug together because she takes John Wayne's footprints yeah, out of Grauman's the theater thing. and breaks them and then has to get him to step accidentally she tries to lure him to step in uh, concrete again it's, it's very funny episodes but keep it in black and white and don't release these kinds of pandering uh, color specials. I, I can't endorse them. And then um, this is uh, actually uh, another National Geographic thing. I, uh, I neglected to mention this on the uh, previous run, but um, this is a really good one. It does stand alone. Season one of The Story of God yeah. with Morgan Freeman. Yeah. And Morgan Freeman, who has played God, we yeah. should point yeah. out. Yeah, quite uh, well. Uh, very, yes, very well. Very accurately, I, I, I would guess. Uh, but a really, really interesting uh, look at the power of faith around the world and belief and belief systems in art and in culture and all of these, all this stuff. It just, uh, it's an amazing uh, kind of anthropological, philosophical, theological journey. And you couldn't hope for anyone other better than Morgan Freeman to sort of take you on it. It is it, really, it, really wonderful. It's, 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 it's not pointed in any way. It's not trying to convince anybody no, of anything. No. It's talking about history. It's talking about people and the way yep. people think about these things. He does that in, with science, too. He has a, a show called Through the Worm. Yes, which is great. Uh, which is also so, you know, yeah. very, a very interesting fellow, Morgan, in what he does. The complete 11th, 1-1, season oh of Bones. Uh, I, would never have, I would never have pegged this show to last years. this long, especially because he was on Buffy. He was on Buffy and on Angel. Uh, you, know, you know, he's one of the richest guys. Oh, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, he was on Buffy for several seasons, uh, had to spin off Angel several seasons. And he now hasn't had time to spend his money. To do anything. It, it, it works. And he's an executive And plus it features uh, Zoe's uh, big sister. Uh, on the show too so you know we were talking about Zoe Dash and Al a little bit yeah. so Big Sisters on the show here fourth season of Ray Donovan I never 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 really quite caught on to Ray Donovan I know it's a very popular show for people who like it uh, about this guy who's a fixer in Hollywood fixer in LA going around taking care of kind of uh, connected his father uh, 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 John Voight. Yeah, thank you very yes. much. And Eddie Marson and some great actors in this in this television show. What I do like about Ray Donovan yeah. is the way it makes L.A. look. 
I know. Uh, it, 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 uses, right. it uses L.A., uh, it, not just the Capitol Records building, not just Man's uh, Chinese or the Chinese Theater. Um, so Ray, Ray Donovan, complete fourth season, uh, fourth season, includes several special features, uh, including some character profiles. So Ray Donovan. And uh, wrapping out the show, I just want to plug some, uh, some really, really cool anime, uh, some really interesting stuff from Funimation. We, we've got a lot of anime to, to, to get out, so I'm, there are a few here that I think are worth making mention of. Uh, the first two, really just amazing, amazing animation. It's amazing how far this stuff has come. Uh, the complete season of Chaos Dragon, which is uh, fantasy stuff. Uh, these two wa- fantasy countries that are warring and kind of, you know, it's, it's a little bit of Lord of the Rings type thing, two fantasy warring lands. And uh, they have, uh, you know, there the, are guardian dragons and uh, all kinds of fascinating politics and soap opera machinations to the, the way these two, uh, these two nations intertwine and... It, 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 it's really it's really really interesting and the animation is so 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 cool uh, also really good is Sword of the Stranger uh, this is the movie Sword of the Stranger this is uh, both of these are Blu-ray and DVD combo packs they both came out uh, end of last year uh, Sword of the Stranger is a little more straightforward it's not as fantasy oriented it takes place uh, in feudal era Japan and it's about a boy and his dog who are uh sort of tools in the fulfillment of this ancient prophecy and they have to escape Chinese assassins who have come across the water from the Ming dynasty Mm. really 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 beautifully done Uh, if you're into Asian culture from that particular time really fascinating stuff super super cool and then uh, a little bit lighter is uh, Good Luck Nino Miyakun the complete series uh, this gets into the whole school thing. You know, a lot of yeah. anime shows are based around school kids who have powers or who are aliens or who are taught by aliens. Or it's just, you know, everything in, in J- Japanese school must be so boring that they have yeah. to invent these Or crazy so hard stories. that it breaks their brains. Well, anyway, this is about Shungo Ninomiya, uh, who uh, is a, uh, a kid in high school with a uh, mercenary sister and uh, who lives in a giant house. And uh, she has a secret as well. She's a succubus. Mm. Yeah. And has to learn how to control her powers. Anyway, uh, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's one of those fantasy things imposed on a, on a uh, school story. And uh, kind of similar is Castletown Dandelion, which is a complete series on Blu-ray and DVD combo. By the way, good luck, Nino Kun is on DVD only. Uh, Castletown Dandelion complete series on uh, Blu-ray and DVD combo pack as are most of the Funimation uh, titles and uh, this deals with a uh, family that like Ninomiya they they appear to be normal but uh, they're actually royal and uh, they uh, they they're like this reality show family and uh, it's it's a little bit like taking um, it's it's a little bit like if you were to take the uh the Osbournes from that era of reality show oh, television yeah. and yeah. turn that into a weird Japanese anime series on steroids. <laughs> That's the only way I can I can think to put it. Anyway, uh, it's fun, it's weird, it's wacky, it's a little bit fringe. But uh, the for the animation, the quality of the animation, Sword of the Stranger movie and Chaos Dragon series, just top-notch animation. Really, really good stuff. All right. 
Tim, with that, we are done. Good, good, good. Uh, have a great time at the LA Film Critics uh, Awards I will do dinner. us all well. I will do us all well. Mark should be back by the time you guys... Mark will be back for the next show, hopefully. If not, we'll, we'll, you know, if, he's, if he's back with too little time to, to catch up on anything, we'll, uh, we'll pull you in again. But, if anything uh, happens at the uh, LA Film Critics, that would be fabulous. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.